Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Monday, October the 12th of 2020. And we want to welcome all of our listeners uh, today. We thank you for joining us and being part of this study uh, as we continue to study. As you know, last Friday, we began to, uh, uh, we started a new um a series, uh, a new study in the Word, and we took it from Acts chapter 17, studying the life of Paul. And uh, I'm excited as we're going to continue this week with the Lord's help to continue to look into uh, the ministry of Paul and and the things that Paul that the Lord showed Paul. And uh, we are excited. So have your Bibles ready, and, and I pray that. Um, you know, your hearts are open to receive what God has for us today. This is the beginning Monday, and uh, we are looking forward for this week. Today on our panel, uh, we have Brother Marty and Brother Fernando joining us. Um, and as always, it is a pleasure to be able to study the Word of God together. So now I'm going to leave it to Brother Marty, and I'm going to give it to you as you share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Amen. We, we're happy to start another week as we continue to go forward in these most uh, tumultuous times we find ourselves in. Uh, and, and what greater comfort do we have but the word of, of Almighty God? It is indeed a, a humbling privilege to be able to handle the word of God, and we ask his grace in doing so, of course. And with that in mind, we began uh, on Friday to explore a subject that I honestly thought would just be a, a concluding uh, you know, uh, study for Friday. But uh, as as uh, as we continue to dig into it, I really feel the presence uh, or the leading, I should say, of the Spirit uh, to continue to explore these things. Uh, we are seeing patterns play out as we've been discussing over the several months uh, leading up to these uh, uh, these times that we find ourselves in as we're closing in on the on the balance of 2020 here heading into a presidential election, a world in turmoil, and all the things that have been common to our experience in, in these times. And we come to the book of Acts, which is very fascinating to me because on the surface, it would seem as if, you know, we can explore these things and glean much from them. And yet we know from the scripture that, that, that what, what one of the principles of the word of God is that what has happened in the beginning uh, will also happen in the end. And it's, it's ironic in essence that uh, there is, or I should say the irony uh, is obvious when you consider uh, that we have reached a time, uh, at least so far in this year, where the church itself is, is, is reassessing its role, its position, <clears throat> and even how uh, saints of God experience a fellowship within the body of Christ. Uh, the early church was forced out of the establishment. The establishment became, uh, you know, a, a state-sanctioned uh, religious enterprise, if you will. Uh, and under the under the the rule of the Roman government and the Caesars and procurators and governors and so forth and so on, the church itself, the Jewish religion in Jerusalem, um, became a sanctioned state. Uh, religion, in a sense. I mean, even when they brought Jesus to trial, they cried out and said, you know, we have no king but Caesar, right? So uh, mm -hmm. it is 
it's it's under that right that <clears throat> when the Lord rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, uh, that that it wouldn't be too much longer after that that there would be persecution upon the early church, and we have been seeing that take place in earnest, especially here in the 21st century. Uh, and, and really, it's happened since the beginning of the 20th century, but really in earnest, whether it's in China, uh, you know, whether it's in the prisons of North Korea or, or the uh, or, or, or the continent of Africa or in the Middle East. I mean, just pick your place. Uh, Christians are being persecuted as they were in the early church. And this is this has brought about a situation now up under this global pandemic that we see happening, uh, in my opinion, that is. Uh, we're seeing it happening across the West now and that the churches are being closed. The establishment is yielding itself to the dictates and decrees of, of government. But in a sense, it's, as we've been exploring through the, <clears throat> through the studies we did in Jeremiah, there is a captivity that has come upon the church. And, and it has forced groups of people to, uh, to have to pursue God outside the confines of visible established religion. And it has caused people to, because uh, we've had conversations, I know you all have too, uh, amongst each other and, and my brothers, uh, you know, where, where people have felt, uh, in, in a sense, uh, almost like, uh, you know, unsure about how to proceed. Because the, the evolution of, of religion and, and mainline establishment religion in particular has created over the last hundred years, especially coming into the 20th century and into the 21st century, a mode of, of religious exercise that has indoctrinated a, a way of thinking on how we seek God so that when times like this have occurred, the people who simply go into an organized structure don't understand uh, that really the early church began simply as fellowships meeting in houses. People, you know, people loving one another, breaking bread daily, the Bible says, right? The church was edifying itself. There wasn't no central force or, or uh, no central headquarters that dictated, you know, what religion or, or relationship with God was all about. It, it, it was a work of the Spirit. It wasn't until we, we go into the conversion of Constantine in the early 3rd century there, 356, somewhere in there at the Council of Nicaea and the establishment of the Roman Catholic Church, that we began to see institutional religion uh, emerge again, uh, which drove Christianity uh, for, for thousands of years until the Protestant Reformation, for those of you who know your biblical history. So what we see and what we believe uh, is happening when we explore these scriptures as well. Keep in mind that what we are witnessing is a work, a sovereign work of the Holy Spirit of God in developing the churches across Asia Minor that would ultimately spread into Western civilization and come to rest as a final expression uh, here on the shores of the United States of America as the, as 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 the you know the history goes, they broke free from from England and they came, the pilgrims as it were, uh, to, to find a place where they could worship God and express their love and devotion to him in a free and unobstructed way. So here we are now in 2020 and, and many of the parallels that we see in the book of Acts are beginning to transpire again. And so it's important as we look into these to carry that, you know, in the back of our, of our thoughts as we go forward in the scriptures. 
And so we began in, uh, on Friday talking about Paul's journey to Athens and what happened when he came to Athens. And we want to dig a little bit deeper in that. We're going to take our time, and we pray that you'll be blessed uh, as we explore um, the evolution, if you will, of the church uh, in the early days, because we do think we're seeing uh, a return to that uh, in many ways. And, and, and it's important that we understand how did they act what did they do? How did the spirit move? How did they exist up underneath global domination of the Roman Empire, uh, a backslidden, compromised establishment religion, and, and the expression of the Holy Spirit across the world uh, that brought the gospel even into our times now? So so that is what we're looking at. I'm going to ask Brother Jeremy if you would begin uh, reading to us today as we begin our study. And we pray you have your Bibles as we continue with our foundational scripture in Acts chapter 17, uh, verse 14 through 16. And uh, as we continue looking at Paul in Athens, Brother Jeremy, in Jesus' name, would you read that to us, please? Amen. And then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go as it were to the sea. But Silas and Timotheus abode there still. And they that conducted Paul brought him in unto Athens, and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus for to come to him with all speed, they departed. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Amen. So while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him. You know, in in in, uh, in our first podcast, we discussed, and brothers, please jump in anytime you have a thoughts, ideas, or want to contribute. You know, uh, we discussed the Apostle Paul's journey from being a Pharisee uh, to becoming uh, the great apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, responsible for writing 14 books of the New Testament. Over half of the New Testament was written by this beloved apostle. You know, when we explore the scriptures in my own personal studies as well, you know, I find it incredibly fascinating uh, to explore how uh, the Holy Spirit founded the church and and how he developed the men and women of God that he would use uh, to, 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 to lay the foundation of the early and first century church. Foundations were so deep and so strong, they've lasted over 2,000 years. And that's something to, to look at and to explore. And so we discussed Paul's journey, and we looked at his resume in the beginning, uh, from Pharisee to apostle. You know, in, in Acts chapter 9, verse 5, like we read, uh, the Lord, uh, when, when knocking Paul off his horse, and we encourage you to go back and listen to Friday's podcast to fill in some background here, but he revealed uh, the internal struggle that Paul was having uh, since he stood and witnessed the martyrdom of Stephen. Uh, could you read that to us, Brother Jeremy, in, in chapter 9, verse 5, real quick, uh, of Acts? What the Lord said yes. to Paul when he knocked him off his horse. Yes. It says, <clears throat> and he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And so what the Lord revealed and, and the Holy Spirit recording that to us right there was that Paul was on his way uh, to persecute the church. Uh, 
something dramatic took place as we discussed when he witnessed uh, the martyrdom of Stephen. The Bible tells us that Paul was actually holding the coats of the men that were that had picked up stones and and literally uh, murdered Stephen. Uh, and and it says that Paul was consenting in his death. We went over his resume where he talked about being schooled in Jerusalem in, in, in the great school of Gamaliel. And he became a Pharisee of Pharisees. Uh, he was an incredibly strict adherent to the law. And his own proclamation is that concerning the law, he was blameless. The righteousness of the law, he was blameless. So, But there was something about what happened to Stephen. He was present and heard the most magnificent sermon. And we encourage you to go look at it. I think it's Acts chapter 6 or 7 in there. When he heard Stephen, yes, chapter 7, he heard Stephen's sermon. It, it got a hold of him, and and it, and it, it penetrated it, his heart, his mind. It troubled him. That's what Jesus revealed that Brother Jeremy just read when he finally gets converted. Three years after the actual death of Stephen, he's on his way to Damascus. But the Lord exposes the fact that that he has had to work at a very deep level to resist the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. That's what he meant when he said, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. I've been dealing with you for three years. And and as we explored, and like I said, you know, the development of an, of an individual, what brought him to his conversion process, many times we double down in our resistance to God when, when, which is what Paul did in chapter 9. Again, let's look at that real quick. I don't want to belabor this. Uh, <clears throat> but in chapter 9, I think it is, yeah, uh, three years into this, after Stephen had died, um, it says in verse 1, chapter 9. Can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy? And Saul, yet breathing out threatens and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest. And he desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, speaking of you know those who believed in the Lord, whether they were men or women, that he would bring them in chains or bound to Jerusalem. What's intriguing to me is, is what it says in verse 1, that he went to the high priest and desired of him letters. He wanted permission to go into the synagogues. Now remember, uh, it was it was an incre an incredibly organized uh, establishment religion again Judaistic religion so <clears throat> the synagogues no matter where they were located throughout Asia Minor and throughout Israel of that day uh, they all answered to Jerusalem they all answered to headquarters that's why it was necessary for him to have documentation as uh, giving him and granting to him authority to arrest the Christians. But when Jesus appears to him in Acts chapter 9, verse 5, having knocked him off of his horse, and he says, it's been hard for you to, to kick against the prodding of the Holy Spirit, he reveals to us such an interesting thing, you know, if we think about the, the complexities of the human psyche, the soul, the spirit. You know, because here we have Paul if we if we if we if we choose to look at it and really think about it and and j jump in anytime you want but it it seems to be revealing there 
that when the Lord says the Holy Spirit's been convicting you, uh, it even gives us more insight in the fact that that there seems to have been some sort of fear in him. And what I mean by that, that is the Apostle Paul, what I mean by that is that for three years, the Spirit's been working on him. Obviously, because as a matter of fact, when he when he gives his testimony years later, he mentions Stephen quite often and, 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 and that he was present there. That event got a hold of him, but it, it, it shook him because the Spirit began to deal with him. He was a man of the Word, remember. When he got saved straightway, if you read the rest of chapter 9, after his, his eyes were healed, it says straightway he went and preached Christ in the synagogue. It says that he preached with such a depth. Uh, of the word right out of the right out of the gate. Let's take a look at that real quick. Let's see if I can find that scripture. I was looking at that this morning. Uh, yeah, let's see. Yeah, read verse twenty, would you, brother Jeremy? Okay. <clears throat> and straight away he yes. preached Christ in the synagogue that he is the Son of God. In verse twenty-two. But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwell at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. Yes. And after that, many days were fulfilled. The Jews decided uh, to kill him. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah. so we, we look at how, how, I mean, this is right out of the gate, right? He didn't have to go to Bible college, man. He knew the scriptures at such a, a depth and level that right out of the gate, he was able to to dispute with the, the Jews in the synagogues and confound them and prove that Jesus was the Messiah by the scriptures. And this is just days after he gets saved. So we're not talking about some, you know, little rookie here. We're talking about somebody that knew the word. And so at age 28, when he got saved, we know that, that what happened on that day when he witnessed Stephen and his martyrdom, he had to hear that sermon that Stephen preached. He saw the anointing come upon his face. Because the Bible says of Stephen that day that, that his face outshone, he looked like an angel, right? It says that his face looked like, like he was an angel. And even he claimed that the heavens opened and he saw Jesus standing on the right hand of God. That blew Paul's mind. And, and he could never shake it. And so when we look at the background of it, being human, because we were all human, you know, we have a tendency to, to put these men of God at such a high, on such a high pedestal that, that we don't relate to them. But we lose a significant part of the grace of God and the working of the Holy Spirit of God if we do that. Because he took ordinary men and turned them into extraordinary vessels in the hand of the Lord. But it doesn't happen overnight. It's a working of the Spirit. So when he doubles down uh, in chapter 9, verse 1, when he's breathing out threatening. You know, he goes to the high priest. He gets these, you know, authoritative letters to go arrest people. Jesus says, man, it's been hard for you. <laughs> That's what he tells them in verse mm. 5, right? <laughs> Yeah. He goes, dude, it's been, he didn't say dude, right? But he said, man, <laughs> he said, it's been hard for you, man. 
because you've been fighting really hard against the pricks, against the moving of the spirit in, in your heart. And that's how I know that he was terrified to go there in his own thoughts. It, it scared him to death because it threatened everything about himself. So, so what he did, instead of yielding to the spirit, he, he doubled down and, and he, mm. he like, he tightened his shoelaces and said, I'll make this go away. I'll do something even more righteous, right? I'll go to the high priest. Yeah. Think of that meeting, because that's the high priest right. that had Jesus condemned and crucified, right? This is who you're dealing with? <laughs> and sure, right. he was more than happy to give him those letters. Are you going to say something, brother? You know, it, it speaks about the power, right, what you're saying, of Stephen's message. That, you know, I know many people question, why did he have to die, you know, but it's a message. Yes, it was for the Pharisees, but more specifically, it was one that would mark the Apostle Paul, right? Yes. You know, all the rest, they they gnashed their teeth and they, you know, and he was part of that that conspiracy, obviously, but, but this message was for the Apostle Paul and it marked him. And like you said, he he fought with it initially by <laughs> doubling down in 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 this persecution of Christians. But I mm-hmm. think what we're learning right that three years later, finally he cannot <laughs> fight it anymore. You know, because then he'll he he says to the Lord, you know, what must I do? What do you want from me? Right? Yes. Finally, yes. he gives in. But but it speaks of the power, which now the Apostle Paul speaks in that same anointing. You know. <laughs> they want to kill him after his messages, right? And uh, yeah. but uh, it's just powerful. Uh, it just speaks to me a lot too about Stephen's the the reason why he was the first martyr, the power, the anointing in which he preached, and, yeah, and, and he, that it marked the apostle Paul so much. So that and think about you know we 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 rush through these things, and I don't want to do that because you, you know if you really think about it. And we look at the unseen hand mm. of the Holy Spirit and, and, and of God's plan. Think about the tapestry that's woven into every event and the far-reaching uh, scope of the influences of events that wow. set in motion things that are propelling us forward for the destiny that God has for us. Paul would write things like to the Romans, speaking about, you know, the, 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 the depth of the preordained plan of God. Who better to, uh, to express those kinds of concepts of God than one who was breathing out threatenings and knows better than anybody that, that it was his destiny to become this great apostle of the Lord to the Gentiles, ultimately. In the reflection of his life, in the letters that he would write, all of these events, they served to be instructive to us as they became instructive to those who would tell us about them and and write about these events. Because remember, all scripture is given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, that inspiration is meant to to transcend the generations and and to bring to us instructive uh and uh you know truths 
that we can apply in multiple ways, whether it's to our own individual life or whether it's to the understanding of how we pray, considering, uh, you know, our loved ones or whatever it may be. All things, remember what Paul would say to the Romans in verse 8? He would say, all things work together for the good of them that are the called of God, that are the chosen according to his purpose. When when you read those kinds of things now and you connect them to what we're looking at, you begin to realize that God is able to use every single event of our life to bring about his purpose and his will in our life. And you consider that uh, that tapestry we talked about, that weaving together uh, of the exquisite hand of God and how in effect and, and in truth he is indeed in control of all things. Amen. Praise God. So he tells him, it's really hard for you to kick against the pricks, right? So the Damascus Road encounter, remember it was three years after Stephen died. Paul was 28 years old at this moment. And and and, and that would set in motion after this, this conversion, uh, 13 years of history. God would like isolate him and for 13 years he would be in preparation, extraordinary preparation would follow these events and, and would occur in his life. And most of that time, like we looked on Friday, he, he was a tent maker living in his hometown up in Asia Minor in Turkey in Cilicia in Tarsus. And then as we saw at the age of about 41 years old, 13 years later, God sends the prophet Barnabas to him. Uh, and, and he travels to Tarsus to, to retrieve Paul and bring him to Antioch, which we looked at. To, to fully understand, brothers, I really honestly believe this, like we talked about before we started recording today, to fully understand what brought him to Athens and why it was so significant, uh, we have to explore what the Holy Spirit was doing and how he was preparing Paul and what he was doing within the church in, in those 13 years. Because really, after Paul's salvation on the road to Damascus, we see a manifestation of the patience of God dealing with the balance of his church. He still has his apostles in Jerusalem. He still has uh, the church, uh, by and large, within the confines of the synagogues. And, and it appears uh, that the Holy Spirit begins a different work in that he, if we understand it in its proper perspective, he actually gave an additional 13 years in Paul's preparation. Those 13 years, God was also trying to get a hold of the apostles to fulfill the commandment of the Lord to go into all the world, which they had failed to do. Look at Acts chapter 1. Would you read that, Brother Jeremy? Acts chapter 1, verse 6 through 8. Because that goes all the way back before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It says, When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria 
and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So that was the command he left to them. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. But there's this question of the uttermost parts of the earth. He revealed to them, even before he went to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit, that the ultimate aim of what has happened here in Calvary and the resurrection, my apostles, is that you go to the Gentiles, to the whole world. Now, by the time that Paul gets knocked off his horse, it's been three years since the Holy Spirit's been poured out. And, and they have yet to go to the Gentiles. And then another 13 years goes by after Paul gets knocked off his horse. And the Spirit is training Paul, as we looked in Galatians chapter 1, when he gives his resume and tells us what happened to him in those 13 years and how the Holy Spirit was training him. In that 13-year period, they continued to fail. And they continued not to go to the whole world. And so the Lord <laughs> begins to deal with his apostles. He's trying to to jar Peter in, into expanding the gospel outreach, James, John, all the other apostles, but they were failing. And, 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 and that brings us to, to Acts chapter 10, because we're seeing how Paul would ultimately be brought out and the events that led it to it and the failure of the early church, the failure of the leadership to recognize. They were the choir preaching to the choir. And now we're 13 years into this, and, and we have an event, I call it the Cornelius event, because it's been 13 years since the conversion of Paul when this incredible event takes place. It's as if time is running out on what should be the full scope of the apostolic ministry, but there's a failure taking place within the church. In the meantime, according to the book of Acts, God has put Paul off to the side in the narration, and he begins to turn our attention towards Peter. And he begins to turn our attention towards the early church fathers who are still hanging out in Jerusalem. And Paul is being worked on. 13 years goes by and we come to Acts chapter 10 and something interesting happens. We read of a vision that Peter has. And can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy, in Acts chapter 10, read verse 10 through 17. And we'll see something interesting. And he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and Speaking saw heaven Peter. open. Speaking of Peter. And saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending unto him. As it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and, and let down to the earth wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, Thou call not thou common. This was done thrice. And the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, 
Behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. This is incredible. This is multiple years after Paul has been converted. Some 13 years. Some say in between 7 and 13, but it's about 13 years, as, as best as I can tell. Paul doesn't know it, but but he's still over there, you know, just being Paul, you know, witnessing amongst his, his community, making his tents. He still hasn't been called from there. But this begins to happen by the Spirit. What happened was, the Bible tells us in chapter 10, you can read it, those of you later, that there was a, a, a Gentile by the name of Cornelius who loved the Lord. And and up until that point, there was still not that true outreach to the Gentile world. They were failing in what they had been commissioned to do. And so we're given this story, which is which is almost 13 years later after Paul has been saved, and they're still not fulfilling the commission. And this is how crucial this was. It's as if the Holy Spirit begins to reach into the apostles' life because they look to him as leader, him and James, right? And, 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 and he tries to jar him and call him out of his, his spiritual slumber. And he gives him this vision and shows him, you know, the food that the Gentiles eat, which was for, forbidden for the Jews to eat, the kosher Jews, right? That's why he says, never, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean. And he says, don't call what God has cleansed uh, unclean. He was trying to get a hold of him. And, and he said, I really didn't understand what it was that I saw. And then suddenly, there's Gentiles standing outside the gate, knocking on the on the house where Peter was. The Holy Spirit was trying to talk to him, and he sends him all these Gentiles, and they're standing outside the gate. And it's as if God was saying, there's a whole world outside the gate of the ministry that I've entrusted you to, and you have yet to reach them. You're in you're in error. And and he has to give him a vision. And so we know the story, right? He he ends up going and 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 follows those men to Cornelius's house. And and yet he reveals we know if you read the rest of the story, you'll read how that that uh he goes to Cornelius, he preaches, they get full of the Holy Ghost, the Gentiles get saved, but Peter reveals his ignorance even then of the plan of God. Read to us verse 25 and 28, would you, Brother Jeremy? Yes. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up. I myself also am a man. And he, and as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, Ye know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company, or come unto one of another nation. But God had showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. <laughs> How'd you like that guy to come to your house? I wouldn't even be here, as a matter of fact, you know, if it wasn't for God that made me be here, and, and, I, and I shouldn't really call you guys unclean, right? He didn't get it. He didn't understand. I wouldn't even be in your house, Cornelius, if God hadn't sent me. But remember that we just read in Acts chapter 1, the Lord had told him all those years before. 
You're supposed to go to the Gentiles, the entire nations of the world, go into all the world. This is how crucial. This is how, how, okay, let's just pause for a second and think about this. We see so much in this. We see the development of, of men of God. We see the failures of men of God. We see the ignorance of the scriptures. We see the failure to fulfill the commission. We see God in his mercy reaching to the great apostle and saying, snap out of it. And yet, even when he goes to Cornelius' house, he still yet doesn't get it and tells them, I wouldn't even be here because it's not lawful for me to be in your house, except God sent me here. He's completely and absolutely void of correct understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God gave them 13 years to figure it out, and they didn't. And during that time, he's got someone else by the name of Paul that he's working on. And and, and this, this creates interesting debate, does it not? It does. Because we could ask the question, would Paul simply have been absorbed into becoming one of the apostles had they all been doing their jobs to begin with? Or was it a failure of the apostolic commission in the early days to fulfill the commission that necessitated that that mantle be removed and given to someone that the Lord had been preparing for 13 years who would indeed answer the commission and go into all the world and preach the gospel like he said, because if it wasn't for Paul, the entire Western civilization wouldn't even be founded. Right. I, I think it would be the latter, Brother Marty, as as the mm -hmm. way I'm seeing things and in, in, in what we're reading there was a reluctance for the apostles uh, for at least 13 years. No one, I mean, you know, that no one had, had been going uh, farther. They stayed in Jerusalem. You know what I mean? Uh, right. they, they left that to the, to the Philips to go to Samaria, right? <laughs> and to others. And then they'd go and, and, and lay their hands and go right back. It, it right kind of reminds me, <laughs> it kind of reminds me of denominationalism, uh, denomination, about, uh, of denominations. You yeah. know, the, the desire of all the big ones is to live in what they call their Jerusalem, the, the Cleveland, Tennessee, and, and other places, right? <laughs> That's where they want to. Right. Yeah. Right. So we, we see the reluctance, and, and no one had taken that last part of that verse and take the gospel to the uttermost, right? Right. And, right. and 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 that's why God had to uh, raise up uh, an apostle Paul and deal with him, and and because this is a big step, and and I'm glad you brought this example of Peter, because we see God even dealing with one at least one of the apostles, if not all of them, about this very thing, and they did not catch it, right? Yeah. So, uh, I would agree. I think it's more, you know, of what you the latter of what you said, brother. Now remember, I'll throw the, Brother Marty also also throw this in there. Um, we need to kind of uh, go back to studying the church after the day of Pentecost, um, and and how the church began to settle, um, and 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 develop flaws, yes. right? As to the commission yes. that Jesus left them, and, and that's that's 
that's kind of difficult to say because um, when we read the book of Acts, it seems like the, the church is flawless in, in, in the things that it was doing initially, right? Um, right, right. You know, like when they had to choose that 12th apostle because uh, Judas committed suicide, you know, the disciples said, uh, well, you know, um, we'll leave that up to you, the rest of you, but we're going to give ourselves to to um, to prayer, to fasting, and to the ministry of the word. And that seems very good and spiritual. But the commission to them was go to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. They began to settle themselves, almost to build a, a ministry headquarter in Jerusalem, right? Um, That's right. Which, which was not what the Lord told them to do. That's right. So, and, and, and then you spoke about, uh, you know, uh, the Apostle Paul being commissioned. Um, why? What, what happened amongst the disciples where they uh, ceased to do uh, what Jesus had told them to do? And so now it's almost like God has to choose the Apostle Paul because the apostles are, uh, in essence, dropping the ball. Right? Amen. You bring, out that, you bring out that point. Is this the case? Right. And, and, yeah. and when you study scripture, that's exactly what the Bible is telling us. Yes. Well, remember, that's an excellent point you're bringing out. Remember that uh, when the Holy Spirit fell, uh, Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost. He, he preaches the word of God. He, he preaches a prophetic sermon, actually quoting from the book of Joel. Right. And, and then it says that 3000 people were born again. And then again, it talks about uh, the persecution that came uh, directly at them from the Pharisees and the chief priests and the high priests in the early days, right? In the first few weeks afterwards, they right. were being persecuted in the temple. Uh, right. but, that gave, but that gave way to them settling in and, and not obeying the, the command of the Lord to go into all the world and preach the gospel. They, they went from being persecuted by the by the establishment to being allowed to exist in the temple and you don't read about any more persecution coming their way Correct. something began to get a hold of them it is, these are crisis moments in the church and, and as you pointed out uh, correctly so um it, it led to it, it led to uh ultimately the martyrdom of stephen what happened when Stephen was martyred was fear gripped the church in Jerusalem and they scattered, it says, to the four corners of the earth, which which we have to ask the question, which they don't like to ask in Bible colleges, right? Which we, we have to ask the question is, 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 uh, is look, the Lord has said, you're going to go into all the world. But the failure of the leadership of the apostolic uh, anointed vessels of God at the time, the, 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 the 12 apostles in Jerusalem, their failure of leadership resulted in Stephen's martyrdom, which then propelled the will of God forward in that they went into all the world. Had, the, had he not been, been killed, what were they doing? They were creating a socialistic welfare program. Remember, they were distributing food to the, to the widows of the Greeks and the widows of the Jews. People were selling all their the stuff that they wanted to sell, and they were bringing the money, and they were laying it down at the apostles' feet. We're creating a welfare state here in the name of God. And that's not what was the intention. <laughs> Look at uh, in it, Acts it, chapter – go ahead, brother. No, no, brother. Uh, it, it's interesting. Remember when 
it, it's almost like the, the, I don't know, for a lack of a better term, the lay people were the ones willing to go out, the Philips, you know, who's having revival. And, and the Bible said that the apostles came and they prayed over the people to get the Holy Spirit. But guess what? As, as soon as they, they, they testified and preached the word, the Bible said they returned to Jerusalem. Right. <laughs> and, and but but it, it's amazing. Yet here's a Philip whom the angel comes to him in the middle of a, a revival that says, go to a desert, <laughs> go, go preach to a eunuch, you know, and, and, and the willingness. But yeah. And who was the eunuch? A Gentile. Yes. Right. right. He was an Ethiopian mm-hmm. from Candace, the queen. He came all the way from Ethiopia to, to, to serve and to worship on the feast of Pentecost. That's what he was there for. Or, or that time period. Eunuch. <laughs> right. And he was a Gentile. And, and 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 see, look, turn over to Isaiah 46. Would you, Brother Jeremy, and read to us verse 6? Yes. Isaiah 46, 6. I'm sorry, 49, 6. 49, 6. It says, and he said, it is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. Amen. So when Jesus gave them the commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel, he was quoting Isaiah. He was he was he was standing upon the scriptures as they were revealed to him. That scripture was written to the Lord. He read that scripture. He said, you, my son, when he read Isaiah 49, say, you are a light to the Gentiles, to the end of the world, so uh, to the ends of the earth. So when he ascends into heaven, the last command he gives them is when the Holy Spirit comes, you, my apostles, go into all the world and do what the Father has told us to do. But they failed to do that. Now, remember this, brother. Go back to Acts chapter 6 real quick. It says, uh, re- before Stephen's martyrdom, there was a key moment. They were already out of order but there was a key moment of leadership there as you were mentioning uh, brother fernando brother jeremy uh where where there was already a dispute taking place read read verse one is it okay of uh chapter six chapter six okay yeah and in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied there arose there arose a murmuring of the grecians against the hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. And keep reading to to verse 4. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. All right, so we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. This was a key moment in, in, in the church's history. I want to ask you the question. Uh, what we see here is verse 2. We have, first of all, we begin to see an elitist mentality enter in. Because they're saying, they begin to separate themselves, right? It's not, 
reason that we should leave the word of God and serve table. It's like beneath us, right? We ain't got time for that. Well, it's a failure of leadership. They could have led by example and then set in order the things as they should have been. First of all, they didn't belong there. Now they have a commune occurring. Almost a a, a pseudo-spiritual communism is evolving because of their failure. All they're doing is becoming another sect of Judaism. And they are not becoming the church of the living God. And precisely as a result of their failure to do what the Lord had told them to do, they now have, uh, they're, they're now beginning to form and become a structured part of an establishment. It's a dangerous time. And when they say in verse 2, we, we can't leave the word of God, well, we just quoted Isaiah 49, 6 that says that, that Jesus was meant to be preached to the Gentiles to the ends of the earth. So I guess they hadn't gotten to that part yet. <laughs> you know, so we see this elitist attitude, and then their decision was what? Choose seven men. This was the catalyst. Because what they did was set in motion events because Stephen was one of the men that was chosen that would lead to that young man's death. This is how uh, out of order they really were. The fruit that they produced was the martyrdom. And out of the martyrdom came the scattering of the church. Because when Stephen was killed, it says that, that they went everywhere. Right? Mm -hmm. In verse 8. Uh, can you read chapter 8, verse uh, 1, after Stephen was killed? It, it, it sounds like they were writing some denominational bylaws there. <laughs> it does. Absolutely. Yeah. It, and, you know, the way we're speaking about it right right now, this would not fly in, <laughs> in theological seminars, right? What are you saying no. about the apostles? They were seeking the Lord and praying. Isn't that what we're right. supposed to do? But they miss, right, what 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 you're bringing to light is this elitist and, and really the, the completion of the fulfillment that he, that Jesus gave him to go to the uttermost. It was never to stay in Jerusalem and, and park there and build a building and build a school. You know, it was to go, go, right, right. and preach the gospel. Yes. And that's what happened. Eight, I mean... Right? Yeah, well, after they killed Stephen, that's right when Stephen was killed, right? Then Saul comes into the story. Check it out. In, in chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Except the apostles, except the apostles. There it is. <laughs> there it is, right? We see that the commission's starting to be fulfilled because they were scattered abroad to Judea and Samaria. And that's what Jesus said they were supposed to be doing anyway, right? After the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you be a witness here in Jerusalem, which they were on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 more again. But then you go be uh, witnesses in Judea and then Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. And because of their failure to do that, a precious young man lost his life. And God moved in that circumstance. This is such a crucial moment of how Paul came onto the scene. The devil is trying to destroy the church before it even gets started. And yet God used this chaotic 
uh, ignorant, you know, display and failure of leadership or the uh, the display of the failure of leadership here. He, he, it's almost as if he's 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 counterbalancing the devil, though he's in control of all things. That is the Lord. This Saul that's standing here, this one that 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 you're going to use to persecute my church, I'm going to take that very guy right there, and he's going to take my gospel to the ends of the world. Praise God, because Amen. you apostles are still hanging out in Jerusalem, even when the, they scatter into Judea and Samaria. It should have triggered something in them. Let me ask you this. These guys just said in Acts chapter 6, they've given themselves to prayer, to study of the word, and to ministry of the word. What are you doing? If you're so holy, and I know this just rocks some apple curds, right? If you're so <laughs> devoted, you know, what are you doing? Your leadership has caused the death of someone. And now the church that's at Jerusalem is under heavy persecution because of your leadership. And now they're scattering everywhere without leadership. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's intense. So right? no, not, not, all, not all the acts of the apostles in the book of Acts were infallible. And, right. and, and they're a, a teaching lesson to us because they were falling into a trap which is the same methods that the modern day church practices. Well, yeah. the preacher, the pastor will give himself to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And you rest of the people, uh, you had a different plane than they are, you know, and you go and, and feed the homeless and, and do what you have to do. And that's why we have the mess we have today. Yes. Right. Yeah. There, there's, there's a right. separation between the leadership and the people to the point where the preachers of today, the superstars are untouchable. And, and, well, because they're God's anointed. They need their time. They speak to God for us, you know, that kind of situation. <laughs> it's like, yeah. seriously? No. <laughs> so, so, so we have this pandemic, which has come to stir that whole thing up and shake it up. Like, no, this is the wrong thing. This is not how church was intended to be, right? Yeah. I'm looking for yeah. true ministers who have a heart for the people and who understand that the, the word that they preach will bring a hate. Because Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you also. Right? And, and the modern day church doesn't know how to deal with that. Because they, they you know, they, they, they just want their own little side of, or a little piece of the pie. Like, they, they want to be a part of society, but unbothered. We just do our thing. And no, that's mm -hmm. not going to happen. But, but. Yeah, we, we're, we're learning. And, and then the next question is, like, I always wondered reading the book of Acts, especially when I first got saved, that, that strange transition to the Apostle Paul. Right. And, every, right, and everything in the middle of the book, uh, of, of the book, you know, the book of Acts, and, 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 and it makes a lot of sense what we're, what we're explaining as to why. Uh, you know, that, like you spoke about the counterbalance. Like, it's almost like the Lord, the Lord did know. That, that and it's not and I'll say this, you know, these apostles walked with Jesus for three and a half years. Yes. And and it didn't take that long for religion to try like, to control wow. you know, uh, that spirit of religion to try to 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 stunt the growth of the church. Yes. Right? Yeah. And and these are the apostles we're talking about, you right. know, which, which, which is so amazing. Like, really? 
You know, they're acting like that when they knew the exact commandment of the Lord before he ascended up to heaven. But they're doing the exact opposite of what he said. Yeah. And and the fruit of it was, was, and the fruit of it brought down intense persecution on the church and the death of a fabulous young man who loved the Lord with all his heart, Stephen. Right? I mean, it was incredible. It was the trigger point. It was. It was, and, and and you know that. Go ahead, brother Mark. No, no, go ahead. No, I just said in conjunction to to what you, you two, my brothers, are saying, it, it's the same attitude as you were saying, brother Fernando, that it's prevailing in the ministry today. You know, the persecution came, and it, that's how the gospel, out of necessity, began to scatter. But the apostles remained in Jerusalem. The establishment remained in Jerusalem. It's the same attitude that is prevailing today with with the ministers of today. This uh, um, um, pandemic that has come, right? <laughs> and, yeah. Instead of realizing what we should be doing as ministers, the establishment is holding down in their churches, right? In their ministries, opening up their doors, right. remodeling their, their, their churches as if things are going to get better. You know, they're not Incredible. moving. They're not budging, right? Incredible, yeah. From all of this and, and what's going on, but yet there is a remnant that is feeling the pressure to to get out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, 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 I know our hearts, you know, at least I know we're not doing this for any other reason, but because out of necessity. Yeah. <laughs> the last thing we yeah. want to do in the podcast or be known. No, we just, we're doing it out of simple necessity as other servants of God who have found the matter and, and don't care about a building right now, but that's where the, the establishment is, that attitude. We're going to remain. We're going to get stronger. It's going to get better. You know, what's going to be revival? And, and you know, they remain there. And where's the Jerusalem today? Washington. <laughs> Look at all those big rigs yeah. hanging out in Washington, right? Yeah. While the, the true church is being persecuted wow. around the world. Wow. That's that's a good point, brother. That's that's really good insight there. Yeah, and and, that, and that's it. And, 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 and you know, again, there's so many things we could explore here. When you think about the silent hand of of, of satanic force here, right? Because he's always up in religion, man. You know, he that's where he dwells. Even where Satan's seat is, right? When you look at the Book of Revelation, right? It's it's always up under false doctrine or disobedience. Or even ignorance, but, but you know, and that's that's what happened here. That the fruit of their ministry in a matter of of weeks uh, resulted in a great persecution of the church, the death of a young man, who who by the way might have turned out to be one of the greatest preachers who ever lived, because the Bible says at one time the anointing was flowing so strong in Stephen's life that he preached with words of wisdom that could not be resisted. He was such a powerful preacher, right? Great God. And so his face, so, his face was like an angel. It says, it, it, yes. it, you know, full of faith and power. Yes. The Bible says. So what I think is what I think, brother, and this is now this isn't I'm not saying the Lord is saying that. I'm just thinking out loud now. The death of Stephen, that anointing in some way, uh, affected Paul to such an extent, like Jesus said, 
but but maybe the unleft ministry of what Stephen would have been transferred over to this one named Saul. Let me ask you this, Brother Marty. Go ahead. Okay, so we know the word of God is prophecy, right? Yeah. And and it repeats itself. And we liken uh, the persecution. I don't say we liken, but we're speaking about how this pandemic kind of mirrors the the persecution that's taking place because in the middle of this pandemic, that's exactly what's taking place. They're trying to close the mouth of the church, right? And and, and our pulpits yeah. from, from preaching the gospel. So if Stephen was the trigger point to that next phase of the church where it's going to be scattered and out of that would come forth, uh, you know, the, the, the ministry of the apostle Paul, are we headed towards some kind of a trigger point uh, I don't know how it'll merit, but, uh, you know, it, it took Stephen's martyrdom, you know, or something <laughs> like that, that has to take place to where the church it's here in America says, whoa, like, mm. like we're really under attack now, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I guess that's my question. Does something like that have to take place? Well, I, I think that, that, it's it's very possible, but we're already seeing the viciousness of it in in the uh, some of the reports over the weekend of the desecration in the church in in New Orleans, where the bishop of that I church had to take right he had to take the altar yeah. out of the church and yeah. burn it because they were having yeah. satanic you know devilish stuff go on in that church, and then you have all these vicious uh, acts of of defiling uh, and, and burning down churches and, and cutting off the heads of statues that represent you know. Uh, Christianity and, and whatever, it's already begun. I think the difference is, is that if we actually, uh, you know, extend it out in, in the parallel of the early church, at the height of, of, of the Roman Empire and the Caesar worship, we see a foreshadow of, of that event, uh, of that event prophesied in the book of Revelation of, of a Caesar-like character we call him the son of perdition, the Antichrist, whatever you want to call him, and that global government. In the time of Rome, when the persecution was at its height, it forced the church to go underground. You know, uh, underneath Rome, for example, uh, are the catacombs, right? You know, those famous, you know, tunnels underneath the city where the church would hide out and, and, and so forth and so on. So I think rather than a scattering uh, in, in the same sense of the early church as we're witnessing here in chapter 8, I think what we're actually going to see is, is yes, the same level of persecution, the same level of of, uh, of uh, intensity coming against the church, but also forcing the church, like in the early days of church history, to go underground for its protective purposes. You know, mm-hmm. that that <laughs> that's what I see, because as you extend out the book of Acts and you take its prophetic types, into the modern era, we see the conditions reemerging again, like you pointed out, Brother Jeremy, and the excellent question you just asked, Brother Brother Fernando. Because what we see that that happens is that is 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 the ultimate aim of God was was what? Can you read that, Brother Jeremy, again, in verse uh, chapter eight, verse three and four? Yes. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hauling men and women committed them to prison. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. 
What did they do? They went everywhere doing what? Mm. Preaching the word, right? Yes. And that that was what Jesus had tried to protect them from was this same situation that we're reading about. He said, if when the Holy Spirit comes, be obedient and go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Had they been a progressive force outward, none of this would have happened. None of it would have happened. But one way or another, the will of God was going to be accomplished, whether it's up under persecution, up under arrest, whatever it was, right? The word is going to go out. And and, and again, like we talked about, we can look at, at multiple angles to this because all the players that are involved here, you got the apostles, even in the midst of this, refusing to leave Jerusalem. How do you justify that? When Jesus had just told them a few weeks before on, in Matthew 24 that not one stone was going to be left upon another, right? The, the whole thing was going to be torn down. Right. Wow. Right. That blows my mind, you know, because it's, it's, it's scary to think about, right? Because right. they were godly men. They're the apostles. We're not trying to denigrate the apostles. We're just saying they were human. And we can learn from right. the cautionary choices and decisions, our cautionary, you know, instructive things that we need to, to understand. Uh, what has God told you that you're not doing? <laughs> right? What has God told me that I'm not doing? I mean, we we can, we can make it pastoral and dig into it because it's meant to be instructed. But again, it is fascinating to me that that, right. that, that anointing that you were just talking about, that honestly, I believe that that calling in, in the same sense that Elijah left his mantle for Elisha, right? I think yes. that Stephen's life was a life interrupted and was fully yes. transferred, that anointing, that calling onto the Apostle Paul. Because let's, let's look at that, what it said about him, brother. Jeremy, can you read that, what it said about Stephen before he was killed uh, in chapter 6? Um, let's see. Yeah. Speaking of of, uh, of Stephen, they were they were – they were jealous of it, verse 8 through 10. Yeah, read verse 8 through 10. Okay. It says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Wow. Then there arose a certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians and of them of Sicilia. Excuse me, Cilicia, and of Asia, disputing with Stephen, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Amen. And 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 wow. this is the anointing that was on this young man's life. He's got the miraculous flowing in his life. He's got wonders mm-hmm. flowing in his life. He preaches by such a powerful anointing that they can't resist what he says. And then finally, when he's called to trial, the anointing is, is really uh, goes forth in verse 15. Can you read when he's finally brought into trial what it says about him? In verse 14 and 15? Yeah, go, yeah. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. This is this is more than just I, someone who waits on tables, right? 
because yeah. from this point on in chapter seven for the next 58 verses or however many it is, uh, 56 verses, he preaches the greatest sermon of the New Testament era, yes. starting at Moses right. and lays the case, the undeniable case for Jesus Christ. I want to ask you a question while the apostles are saying we're too high and mighty to wait on tables. Uh, we got to give ourselves to prayer and study of the word. How is it that this table waiter named Stephen had miracles, wonders, spoke with such wisdom that could not be resisted, face shining like an angel because of the anointing on him, and then for 56 verses he tears up the high priest and the and, <laughs> and the scribes by the message that he preached? When did he find time to pray and read the word? Obviously he did. Because he didn't say, wait a minute, boys, I'll be back in two weeks after I get a message from God. It flowed out of his heart, man. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, th this, uh, I just felt it right now. You know, Stephen's ministry was short but powerful. It reminds me, a lot, it's, in many ways, it represents the ministry of Jesus. Short and powerful. And even in the language that he speaks. It's the it's obviously he's just that's the way Jesus spoke to the Pharisees and, yes. and to the ministers of his time. In many ways, it, you know, is represented because it was short. It was taken away. You know, Jesus' ministry was only three and a half years. It was short, but in the long run, it made an impact. You know, Hallelujah! As as Stephen impacted a Paul, you know, the life of Jesus impacted you know us. You know, so we see there a. A, I don't know, I see it there, you know, a, a semblance there no, of the ministry of Jesus. That's a great point because uh, I think you're right, Brother Jeremy. Uh, I think that what we are witnessing flowing through this young man's life is is the spirit of Christ himself. Because nowhere else do I read, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it don't come to mind right away. Uh, <laughs> nowhere else do I read that when when Stephen gets to the conclusion of his of his message, which is so impacted Paul that for three years he's fighting against the convicting power of God before he gets knocked off his horse. Nowhere do I read where it says that that when someone was dying for the Lord, that Jesus himself stood up and the heavens opened. I think can you read that to us in verse fifty five and fifty six of chapter seven at the conclusion of this message he's preaching? Fifty five. In 56, he said? Yeah. Okay. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. I got it. I mean, <laughs> I think Jesus saw himself because Paul would write in Romans chapter 8 that it is the Father's will that we be what? Conformed to the image of his dear son. You just mentioned that that Stephen was functioning under the anointing, that same anointing as Jesus. I think Jesus stood to his feet, you know, not to be melodramatic here, but it was the first reflection, the full reflection of the image of the Son of God flowing in one of his vessels upon the earth, his church. Hallelujah. He stood up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> what he intended Hallelujah. us to be. Hallelujah. Amen. That's, that's, that's the ministry of Christ. That's what he said. The greater thing shall you do. That, that's what God has always intended of us, you know, us people, servants, to be that very thing. Amen. Amen. Powerful. I mean, brothers, imagine preaching a message that opens the heavens. 
<laughs> my God. Uh, I told you there's so many avenues we could take with it. But, and then what else is mentioned in verse 55? He said he sees the glory of God. Weren't we just talking in Ezekiel that the glory of God went up into heaven? Remember when God came yeah. and took the glory of God in the days of Ezekiel away from the earth? He let Stephen see that glory. Hallelujah. My Hallelujah. God. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm laughing. Because it, it it's so powerful, you know. The best message is, is that I preach is one that no one has left. Because usually people leave when I preach, right? But the best message that I preach is the one when everybody stays there. But one day, I'm being facetious. Amen. I'm being facetious because it's it's, it's it's tremendous what you're saying. You know that Stephen preached and the heavens open. Hallelujah. You know, yeah. that God would, would, would begin, hallelujah, in this hour to, to give us Stephen, amen, to give us full of the spirit, full of the word, and, and, and to preach in that manner that souls would come to the Lord, that the heavens would open. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Oh, my. And, that, and that's when Paul is first identified in verse 57 and 58. Would you read that, Brother Jeremy, 57, 58? Then they cried out with a loud voice. And stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. That's what Saul saw. He witnessed the whole thing. It got so inside of him. He'd never seen anything like that. He'd been raised in Judaism. There's no life there in sacrifices of bulls and goats and washing the bowls and your hands and, you know, tying these long leather straps on your arm and, you know, tying little boxes of scripture to your head. All that stuff, man, it was empty and lifeless. But he saw something in this young man who could take the word of God from Genesis through Malachi and preach it to such a level that it opened the heavens and his face shone like an angel. My God. And it got a hold of him. And and his death was not in vain. He sowed his life, and, and, and the fruit that it bore was to realign the church into the perfect will of the Lord Jesus Christ, who said, be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. His His death produced the will of God to be brought back into the place it was meant to be because then they went everywhere preaching the word. It is so profound. Right. right? And, 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 and Saul, my gosh, like Jesus said, for the next three years, he would, he would fight against the, the Holy spirit. But you see, God was, was, was beginning to prepare him because he would be the very one who would fulfill the commission of the Lord. To take the the word of God to the ends of the world, and that's when we went over. Right, what brought us here was 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 even 13 years after Paul's conversion, that even then the apostles still didn't get it, and God sent those those Gentiles from Cornelius's house, gave Peter a vision, and Peter still didn't get it. He still didn't get it. He goes back to Jerusalem, and he tells them, "Yeah, we preached the gospel, and these Gentiles got saved." but they still didn't respond. It's a scary thought, brothers. Well, so Paul think has... about it. 
yes. Brother Marty, that when, when Jesus is ascending to to heaven, the question they pose is, you know, shall you at this time restore the kingdom, right, mm. uh, right. of Israel, right? It was still a nationalistic view of the scriptures. Yes. When Stephen preached, he understood that, that you know, the, 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 the call of God was to the Gentiles. I think he quoted it there. I can't remember where. Um, he spoke about mm-hmm. the Gentiles there. <clears throat> and, and even, you know, when Peter has this account where, you know, where, where, where the Lord tells him, you know, don't, don't call unclean, you know, that which I have cleansed, that which is yeah. common, right? He's still battling with this nationalistic view of scriptures, right? The apostle yes. Paul has to be, I mean, by the Holy Spirit, has to go out of Israel to Arabia. And now he's on the outside looking in, mm-hmm. right? So when he returns, he understands it like, wait a minute. He goes yes. straight to Jerusalem, to the yes. hub, to the epicenter. <laughs> Of this, right? Mm. And he, he now he comes with with the understanding of the revelation of the of of the New Testament, right? And his calling to the Gentiles. And and I say I say all that to say this that we see in the disciples that have walked with Jesus some some three and a half years, they they don't get it. And again, it's not to say that you know to demean them no because they were men just like me and you but it but right. it, the holy spirit wants to teach us something you know like are we doing the same thing today are we viewing yeah. the scripture through through nationalistic eyes wow you know like the gospel's american or something right mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right yeah yeah, that's right, brother. And think of the danger well, you, because go ahead, brother. No, uh was the scripture that you were mentioning, Brother Fernando, is that the one where it says, Which also our fathers that came after brought in with Jesus into the possession yes. of the Gentiles? The Gentiles God drove them out, right? Drove out before the face of our fathers unto the days unto the days of David. So that's the scripture. Yeah, he's right. laying well in that scripture you're talking about, he's talking about Joshua going into the promised land, but he's using it as a pretext setting forth uh, the type and the shadow of who the real Joshua is, right? Ishua, Jesus. That's, that's uh, you know, in Hebrew, it's really Ishua. So by saying that he took the possession of the Gentiles, he's, he's kind of laying the case that, that, that he was now going to, in a larger sense, that the Lord Jesus Christ himself would take possession of, of all the world, right? The entire Gentile nation. It's quite a depth <laughs> It's quite yeah. a, you know, the young man, you know, and think about this. Stephen was young. Paul was young. It was emphasized in verse 58 that Paul was a young man. We know he was 25 at the time. So to see one of your contemporaries, to see someone of your own age group, Incredible. carry an anointing. My God. <laughs> Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. See, Paul my, my. revealed my, that my. he had the kind of heart that was a Pharisee of Pharisees and concerning the, the righteousness of the law, that he was blameless. So we know he had a zeal for God. But what he saw in, the, in a man his own age, a young man his own age, it affected him so deeply that it scared him to death. That's why he doubled down like we were talking about and why Jesus would tell him three years later when he knocked him off his horse, you've been fighting my spirit ever since that day. 
you saw my servant. But he didn't leave him that way. See, he was, I believe he was taking uh, the, the will of God to another level and giving it the, the mantle of it uh, to this great apostle. And the failure all along the way of leadership to recognize it. Now, they wouldn't stay that way. You know, the great apostle John, right? You know, the great writings that he wrote and his gospel, his three letters, his, the book of Revelation. Peter would write those two fantastic epistles. But but from the perspective of a seasoned veteran, and, you know, aged and, and learned so much, you know. But but this is the beginnings of the church. And tomorrow, we'll pick it up from here tomorrow. We'll, we'll, we'll come back and, and show how Paul was called out at the age of 41, why he was brought out. And, and that process that would begin the ultimate process, which would lead him to Athens. Remember... Uh, we're not going to rush through these things because there's so much to glean as we're seeing. But but Paul at Athens, it, it's even it, it is even prophetic in its own nature, like we've been talking about. Because Paul in Athens, he would go and dispute in the synagogue in Athens, and, and in many ways it, it would it reflects our times, like you were saying, brother Jeremy, brother Fernando. By the Paul, by the time that Paul gets to Athens, which we will we will get there, uh, we have we have the church. Uh, preaching to the church, right? You know, the, all they did was preach sin from synagogue to synagogue. And and, and the seed of democracy, which was a Athens, had become completely overrun with idolatry. You know, Western civilization is like that. That's what you guys have been saying. You know, the church behind its four walls, the church hanging out in the capital city, all that stuff. It has caused the entire landscape to become fully idolatrous. Because they failed to take the gospel as God said in their time and now in our time. Paul came to Athens and saw the fruit of the failure to truly take the gospel out of the four walls to the ends of the earth like the Lord had, had said. And I think we're going to see uh, the same thing and what we are witnessing the same thing. You know, the, the democracy like Athens, which is the seat of democracy, has been completely overrun with idolatry. The parallels are striking. It is quite possible we are witnessing history repeat itself. And in that case, there is a Nero just ahead of us. And there is a global government that will entrench itself and demand worship. We better be about the master's business. <laughs> God help us all, right? Yeah. If if the great apostle Peter and and all them boys could 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 uh, could miss it, who are we, right, to think that that, that we 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 better keep our eyes open and, and pay attention to what God is saying to the churches? Praise the Lord. We'll pick it up from here tomorrow. That was a spirited discussion. I mean, this this is great stuff to me. I I hope you're enjoying it out there, and we love you. We pray you tune in tomorrow as we, we continue to work our way to Athens and the great uh, thing that occurred there that has implications that reached across 2,000 years to us in our time because of what Paul did and because of what Stephen did and ultimately also because of what all the apostles did. The, the gospel came to the West, and that's where we'll pick it up tomorrow. Anything else, brothers? You know, at the end of, of Peter's ministry, uh, in second the second epistle of Paul, he excuse me, of Peter, he mentions Paul. <laughs> and we see the impact that Paul had made 
upon the apostles. You know, at the end, they saw it as, as you know, they recognized his epistles, you know? And, and that's what he mentions in Second Peter 3, 14, 16, when he mentions Paul, you know. Read that to uh, it. It says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. In account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom, wisdom given unto him, had written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which some of those things are hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. My goodness. So, you know, my, well, that's my what point he was is, saying. Think of that. That's the awesome scripture yeah. you read because at the end of their lives, right, the Apostle mm -hmm. Peter acknowledges the Apostle Paul and then acknowledges that what he writes is Bible. Scripture. Yes. Incredible. 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 Wow. Hallelujah. My Lord, I I don't know about you listeners, but man, we've definitely sensed his presence here, you know, uh, today speaking and and ever thanking the Lord for the apostles, amen, all of them, but also learning, yes. learning not just from the good, learning from mistakes that we can all learn from, amen. They were left there as examples <laughs> for us to yes. learn, and we thank God, and I can't wait well, as we continue to discuss uh, tomorrow, uh, I believe, as the Lord allows us, we'll go back into this. We'll continue to discuss and glean from uh, things that we can learn and apply to our lives. We really pray that you've been blessed today and that uh, the God has spoken to your life. And as always, uh, please join us tomorrow as we go into the Word of God again. May God bless you. May God keep you. And as always, keep looking up.